This is the Strike Mash Boil podcast, presented by the Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club. It's been a little while, so it's time for some rants. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Strike Mash Boil. I'm Marco, president of Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Phil. But We've got two special guests with us today. We have uh, the competition coordinator of Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club, TJ. You guys have heard him on the podcast before, and you guys have heard our special guest, Aaron, many times mentioned on this podcast as the guy that doesn't brew but now brews but barely brews and now brews but uh so these two guys are joining us today we're excited to have you guys welcome to the podcast thanks marco what is up party people in the place to be (laughs) of course we we knew that aaron was gonna spruce up the show (laughs) yeah all right so with uh new season and guests we have to run through our quick fire questions you guys know the drill i'll give you the question and you guys answer as quickly as possible tj you can answer first on each question and uh aaron you go second so uh real quick on these uh what is your favorite specialty malt already taking too long i know which one pops into your head? The we one didn't, that we you... didn't give them the questions ahead of time. No, too, yeah. That's what we have to start doing. Yeah, no, you, I don't you, like that. Yeah, uh, special B. Special B. All right, Aaron. Maris Otter. That is not a specialty. <laughs> we're, we're going with it. We're going with it. Okay, we're going to go with it. <laughs> Good All right. job, Aaron. That's a very <laughs> special Otter, Phil, and I, he does not appreciate being told that. <laughs> All right, uh, TJ, what is your favorite hop variety? Uh, Galaxy. Aaron. Uh, Sriracha Ace. Oh, okay. that's, that's pretty obscure. Yeah, yeah. Especially for someone who throws Maris Otter as a specialty malt. Uh, what what is likes. your favorite yeast strain? Um, uh, 550. WLP. <laughs> All right, White Labs. All right. Uh, do you know what strain that is, TJ? It's, uh, it's the Belgian strain. Um, I think it's you know, Jolly Pumpkins, uh, you know, it's their, it's their base before they functified their beers. Um, and ever since I found that out, I, that's my go-to when I'm doing a lot. Okay. Aaron, favorite yeast strain? El Cezanne. Okay. Mm, good. Uh, what beer style do you keep coming back to brew? Lagas. English mean, brown. All right. English brown. All right. Um, Aaron gets the assignment. He knows. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Right to it. Boom. Uh, what is the most intimidating beer style for you to brew? Hefeweizens. I've had a problem mm-hmm. with Hefeweizens in the past. And we, the last time we kind of dialed it in, uh, an acid rest made our Hefeweizen go from, eh, to, wow. So I'm not scared yeah. anymore. It's just, it's a long brew day. It is. Aaron. Saison. Okay. Uh, what is the worst thing you ever brewed? Um, a double IPA that my delivery person left on the front porch. And I didn't know. And I picked it up and we used it. And the yeast did something nasty. And um, it basically was like burnt rubber Oof. abomination. 
so not pineapple abortion. <laughs> like, how is that not the worst beer? For our listeners, what was pineapple abortion? So Marco effed us and made... No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Hold on. That was a completely random generator. I didn't do it. Googled it. <laughs> and and I got effed by getting randomly generated uh, brown malt and pineapple. Um so we decided to do a pineapple brown sour, uh, kettle sour, and it was um, nobody liked it. Oh, there there, there was something else in there too. There was like uh, some sort of non fermentable sugar <laughs> and some hop that you had to use. So for context, for for folks to know, one of our big brew days, we decided to do a mystery basket style. So we broke out into teams and then every team was randomly generated a malt, a hop and, um, was it a yeast? No. What was the yeast? No. Uh, no, it was an adjunct, Uh, a malt, a hop and an adjunct. And then you had to create a beer style from it. Uh, and so random generator, these guys were dealt some pretty tough cards and they came up with a brown pineapple sour. That it was, was delicious. That, that was it so ended up actually ended up after a couple of years, not that bad. That was a really fun yet rough big brew day. I, I also had a really tough combo, and uh, I, I, I don't look forward to ever doing that one ever again. We talked about doing it next time. I know. Yes. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, Aaron's turn. Yeah. Uh, worst thing you ever brewed? Uh, I would say it, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it was the Saison I brewed with Marco. There's nothing wrong with it. It was very good. I just didn't feel it was as good as the other beer I brewed, the English Brown. Um, or the other half of it, because mine came out great. You know, again, there was nothing wrong with it. I just didn't think it was as good as the Brown. I really, really, really loved that Brown, Big Aaron's Rocket Fuel. And um, but what we're getting at here, Aaron, is that you are at a grand total of two brewed beers. Hey, that's two more beers oh. than most other, most people have brewed in general. So. so that means reality is the worst thing that Aaron's actually brewed is like a cup of coffee or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. I'm actually really good at brewing coffee, so no, not even that. No, I take that back. Uh, I once let a uh, a, a teapot. Uh, uh, it. Uh, it sat for too long, and it came out very, very, just way too strong. That was the worst thing I ever brewed. There's nothing wrong with engine oil coffee. All right, next thing with is... Tea. Oh, that's <laughs> that could be bad. Uh, what is your favorite homebrewing mod or hack? Yeah, Aaron, you're not going to probably have an answer. No, I, I, I got this. I got this. Okay. I got this. All right, TJ, go ahead. Um, I, I don't even know how to approach this like a, a hack. TJ... TJ, your fly sparging um, technique. Fly sparge, okay. Um, Tupperware lid. Tupperware lid first. <laughs> fly sparging. Do you uh, like have holes drilled in it, and you just lay it over no, top? No, you... he he's actually thinking for 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 uh, Vorloffen. No, okay. Well, I mean, we do it for for sparging. Well, I, I, I do it for sparging. I you, stole you, it for sparging. You, you you do do it for sparging too. Uh, oh, so do you like lay the lid down on the the top of the grain bed and then just 
drip the water that, on top of that. That way it doesn't channel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry, TJ challenged. taught me that. I stole it. I think it's a beautiful idea. Yeah, it's great. Hack. <laughs> it works great. Yeah. All right, Aaron, what do you got? Uh, my favorite is uh, There Is No Cow Level, which is the cheat code on StarCraft that lets you skip to the next level. Okay. Boom. All right. What is your favorite stadium beer? You go to Fenway Park, you go to Gillette. What's your favorite beer? Paps. Okay. Uh, I got to go with uh, what used to be Sam 76 and is now Wicked Easy. Hmm. That's a good beer. What is your favorite pub game? Go to a pub. Do you play pool? Do you play darts? Do you play shuffleboard? Darts. darts. All right. Midget tossing, because I love flying through the air. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Okay. Um, Aaron is vertically challenged, so. <laughs> and for anyone who might be offended by that, I am five foot four. So I am very much the center of attention at every dwarf toss that I ever attend. Wow. Uh, okay. What is your favorite American swill? So that's your uh, Bud Heavy, your PBR, Coors Banquet. What's your favorite American swill? Perhaps. No. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's mine. Champagne of beers, baby. All right. All right. Well, that's the quick fire questions, guys. Thank you very much. And now getting into uh, this week's uh, topic, we're going to talk through, we're going to do a little roundtable on what really drove us crazy in the world of beer or home brewing in 2021. So we're into 2022 now. We've had a couple weeks to rest on it. This is a bit of a rant. So we're each going to pick our topic and we're going to uh, talk about it, see if we have any counterpoints and then move on. So Marco, I think you drew the short straw before the show. What is your rant of 2021 beer or brewing? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, like I'm sure everybody is going to be shocked. Uh, by my uh, rant here, uh, which is mm -hmm. it surprisingly is not specifically milkshake IPAs or milkshake sours, although it's related to that, as you can imagine. Uh, so th th it kind of pains me a little bit to talk about this because on one hand, I think homebrewers uh, and the innovation of homebrewing have done some really amazing things in some creating some new styles that are actually beer, uh, pushing the envelopes of existing styles, but the uh, in a, the interpretation of brewing beer over 2021 has created stuff that just isn't beer anymore, and we've lost touch with what I think are um, some of the pure golden styles that made beer amazing. And all of you know when we do our competition, we see some of the wildest things come through our comp that are legit just not beer anymore. And we're seeing yeah. the influences of that and how it, it's sort of shaped the craft beer industry where you go places and you just have these things that explode in cans or these things that just don't resemble or taste like beer anymore. And it's, it's a shame because I really think that 
home brewers uh, have been the foundation of growing the craft beer industry and all of these really great, amazing introductions to styles that have been lost over time or uh, perfecting styles that, uh, you know, may not have been uh, that popular in the U.S. that we get to try them in, in a really great fashion. But it's just got, and New England IPA is something that came out of innovation from home brewers. But honestly, it just pushed the envelope to a point. I, I know I sound like an old beer guy right now, but it's pushed the envelope t- to such a point that beer just isn't recognizable to me anymore. Mm. And, uh, and, and I just think that we're losing touch with those traditional styles that made me fall in love with beer. And since going through phases of experimentation have brought me back to those traditional styles and loving those core beers again. Uh, you know, that's really what's driven me crazy in 2021. No surprise, because the biggest hit on my list has been milkshake IPAs and milkshake sours. And that stuff has literally come from these new breweries that are started by home brewers that were just dumping tons of lactose and fruit and, and hiding any discernible taste of beer in their beers. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you a little bit there that just not even just in the competition, but you go out into uh, craft beer stores now, and they're just rows and rows and rows of these beers that the, the ingredient lists for what should be what four, technically four ingredients on beer, you know, they wrap around the can three times. They're seven, eight bucks a can They're, I mean, the, the definition of a beer is that they, it has to have malt and hops in it and they threw one pellet in maybe. Right. And, they made you know, it this, into a bomb. Yeah, well, <laughs> literally. You know what? So let's let's take what Marco just said and let's um, let's uh, you know what? Save that one. We'll, we'll come back to that. Um, when I got into home brewing, it was because I wanted to brew, in a lot of cases, beers that you couldn't get back in 2010, 2011. So there were these ideas of these, you know, putting. Um, peanut butter in beers or putting chocolate or coconuts in beers or vanilla um, beans. And there were only a couple breweries that were really around. This was even pre say the most experimental brewery in the early 2010s was night shift to us. They didn't even exist yet. And so the thing that got me into beer was that I could take a standard Imperial stout or Porter recipe and add some adjuncts to it and make it this really cool thing that I only read about on the internet. Um, now all of those brewers who were doing the same shit at home 10 years ago, a lot of them own breweries now, but that's all they fucking brew. You know, it's, there's no, well, think OG about the styles. innovation that, that night shift did, especially early yeah. on. And we, and we, and you know, we've released our podcast episode, um, mm-hmm. with, with Michael, them, yeah. yeah, with Michael Oxton and we talked about innovation but if you remember, folks that were drinking night shift beers early on, the innovation that they were doing, the ingredients they were adding were complements to a base beer. Mm-hmm. It was all about adding a balance or an interesting characteristic. It wasn't trying to make something not taste like beer. No, Pastry yeah. Stout sort of started that yep. train, but it got it's gotten to a point where it's literally I come up with some wild flavor profile and I try to make it taste exactly like that. So I'm drinking a dessert or I'm drinking uh, some wildly sweet thing that it's not recognizable. 
But it's, it's not beer anymore. It's it's not doesn't, beer. It doesn't taste like beer anymore. No. I mean, it's it's technically beer, but it it's really pushing the definition. You know, I have a, I have a trouble with going into a brewery, um, well, I guess in a pseudo pre-COVID world, but going into a brewery to a tap room and the four ounce pour is too much of a specific beer and you can't finish it. Like that is, that's tough, right? I mean, isn't beer supposed to be drunk by the, by the, you know, pint or, or liter? Even, it, even if it's not the, the idea here that, um, because beers like, uh, barley wines and imperial stouts like those things exist not to be drank by the pint or the liter uh, but they also had all but, uh, of the you're still doing a full pour right 12 it, ounces it, 10 ounces yeah. whatever you want to call but it. it had the foundational characteristics that you'd expect of beer you could still taste the malt you could still taste the hops to some capacity you had characters that were being um, contributed by the yeast profile the fermentation made a difference like all these things contributed to the yeah. beer you could argue uh, things like the english yeast strains do something for uh, milkshake ipas but it's so masked by lactose vanilla stupid amounts of fruit it's literally it we we've said this last season a bunch of times. It's fruit that's complemented by beer instead of beer that's complemented by fruit. I don't think you can even tell that it's beer. I think you can't tell what the heck you're drinking at all. It's just what you're drinking is an expensive can of mystery. Well, and and we we talked about uh, I think I think we've talked about it on the podcast recently uh, the four fifty North guys. Yeah. yeah. And they actually got bagged because they stopped putting their ABVs on their cans because they got in trouble for um, overstating what the actual ABV was in their beers. They put, you know, call it an 8% IBV, uh, ABV, and it turned out to be like 3% because of the amount of fruit that was inside of the things. It just completely masked the beers. And they got bagged for it. They don't even put ABVs. I don't even know how they get away with that, which is bananas to me. But Well, yeah, we uh, on the first show of this season, we drank uh, a beer from, I don't even remember where the hell they were from, but it was uh, an 8-something percent beer, and there's no... Um, I think the ABV was like printed on the bottom of the can, but then uh, it still was 1060 for gravity out of the can. Final gravity, 1065. That's a 6% it's, beer if it fermented out on its own. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just bonkers what we've seen. And, and again, this is where it's a t I'm sort of torn on it because I think the, the home brewer has pushed the envelope uh, in the beer industry. But it's gone to a point where it's too far. And, and uh, you know, I, I hate that I sound like this old beer guy, but I've just gotten to that point in my life, so fuck mm. it, I don't care. Uh, but I think about Scotch whiskey. There's an association in Scotland that governs Scotch whiskey. Sure. There's an association in Germany that governs beer. Uh, and I think we're due for us to have a definition of what actually beer is because there is. Right now, there is no beer is just all over the place. But it's a trend, and it's going to sell. And whatever you call it, people will buy it, and that's that's fine. Yeah. I'm okay with that. As a beer purist, I'm okay with you calling it a malt beverage 
and brewers brewing it. Uh, breweries are doing seltzers now like crazy because that's the latest fad. I, I'm not a big fan of them. I certainly have drank in my fair share of them. But honestly, it's one of those things where uh, I, I just think you should call it what it is and, and it's not beer. Agreed. That's my rant. I, I went crazy. I, I don't want to, we shouldn't, it just, I could go on and on about this. There's three <laughs> other ones we got to listen to. That one's yeah. mine. All right. Uh, up next, Aaron, you were the next straw that got pulled. Uh, what is your rant for the world of beer or brewing in 2021? Uh, I'm going to go, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a little bit on what Marco touched on, but maybe a little bit further, a little bit broader. When did the American brewing industry become the American IPA industry? Hmm. Been a while. It's not simply milkshake IPAs or pale ales. Why, when I go to a beer store, let's say they have a mid-sized beer store. They've got, uh, I don't know, 400 SKUs, 400 different beer labels there. Mm -hmm. Why is it that probably three quarters or more are going to be IPA? I understand they're popular. I understand that's what sells. But I think it's gotten to the point where people are so used to buy, seeing and buying IPA that they don't even realize there are so many other great styles out there. So, Aaron, I... I... It's funny because, you know, even though I'm coming off the rant that I just had, uh, I actually don't think it's that bad. Depends what store. I don't think it's that big of an... Well, I don't don't think it... Well, no, no, no. I I think that IPAs certainly dominate across the United States. And for however many years, the American light adjunct lager was the dominating beer. and, And now, you know conceivably the most popular beer out there is an IPA, but I think it's sort of turned into our national beer style. Like if you go to Germany, mm. yeah, what's the, I mean, there's, you know, a handful of beers that Germans drink. They're not going through the spectrum of beers in Germany because it's just, but it's also what, regional in Germany, right? You're yeah. Well, and it right. sort of is here too, right? Like, bit, well, at sure. least it, it, it's changed a little bit over the years, but over the last, call it 10 years, uh, there was this divide, right? The Northeast had heady topper and people went bananas for that. And that's sort of what created the movement of the New England IPA. But then you had for the longest time, the traditional IPA purists on the Western part of the right. United your, States that said Russian our IPAs folks. have to be super clear and really bitter. And it was like this divide. But it was still IPAs, right? The the spectrum of IPAs is pretty broad at this point. But but I think that that's turned into sort of the national beer style in the U.S., which is the IPA. But IPA isn't even an American beer. It's English. Hell, it's Indian if you really want to get into it. But there's really no beer. There's no beer that's truly American. Even adjunct lagers are an interpretation. Wrong. Smoothie beer is a truly American style. Derived is our national beer. Derived from inspiration from other real beers. Yeah. Four fifty North is the is the official brewery of the United States. All right, we're going to take a quick break and jump over to a judging session of a Belgian dark strong ale with the Doc and Rick. 
If you like what you've been hearing on our show, hit that subscribe or follow button on your podcast service. And if you have any ideas or feedback for us, leave us a review or shoot us a DM on Instagram at StrikeMashBoil. Or join the conversation in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash MVHBC. All right, time for this week's beer review. Each week, we're going to judge a beer submitted to us by a member of the Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club or from one of our listeners. Our judge is going to walk through the judging process as if this were a homebrew competition, and all they know is the category of the beer, which this week is 26D Belgian Dark Strong Ale. Man, another big boozy beer for us. Um, We've done several Belgians, but Marco, I don't... Again, I think it's another beer we haven't done yet. Uh, we definitely not. And really quick, I just want to call the attention to you. If anybody's hearing the crackling in Phil's voice, he just found out Mr. Big died. Uh, so yeah. I just want to make Whoa, sure. Whoa, spoiler alert, dude. I mean, spoiler alert. I, I, I have that DVR. What the oh, hell? Jesus. I'm just saying he just, he found out. That's why he's like, he's extra emotional. I just want to make sure everybody is aware. That's why there's some cracking in the voice This today. guy over here, I mean. I just can't believe you just ruined the show Shocking. For me, I know, I know. I, I apologize. Is this how you felt when you uh, found out James Bond died? What? Wait, know. James Bond's dead? Well, they, well, they introduced a new Bond, I, Jane Bond. Now. I, I can't yeah. even talk about it. Wait, yeah, did they was... seriously in the new film? Yep. You didn't know that? No, I haven't no. seen it yet. But that was, they were talking about that yeah, before. Yeah. They, they were making a transition to... I know that like, it was his last film, but I didn't know he's going to yeah, die. So for, yeah, like, it could have been his last film, but why'd they have to kill yeah. James Bond? Because it's not Jane Bond. Yeah. No, no, they're bringing on another dude. Oh, they did. They are. So the 007 moved to uh, the the chick in the movie. But are we really uh, taping this right now? Yeah, we really yes, are. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he, <laughs> we'll see how much of this ends up on the show. All no, of we're it. gonna do oh, the whole yeah, thing. The whole yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. This, yeah this is how it works. I don't know. I don't know if you want to spoil people. Listen, like, we just stuff. especially Mister Big. This is my gonna God. come out like weeks from from. Yeah, this is this isn't gonna come out. Until, I mean, this like, is January, fresh February. news for Phil, but we, you know, again, yeah. we're just. Can you tell we've been drinking all night? Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, so back, back to the beer. Yes, this is the first Belgian dark strong ale that we've done. Yeah. Yeah, so the probably the most famous one of this style is what? Westy 12? That's Belgian dark strong, right? Quad, uh, Belgian quadruple? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it. some people say Belgian dark strong. Some people call it a quad. Technically, it's Belgian dark strong. Quad's technically not a thing, even though people call sure. these beers quads. But yeah, so this beer um, with the Rochefort, 12, Chimay, yep. Red. I've got the other ones as well. Um, but yeah, there, the there's St. Bernardus 12, yes, I think. Yes, yes. Um, which is supposed to be the exact same thing as Westy 12. It's supposed to be the same recipe. Yeah. Um, but I, we're not going to get into that. So anyway, the style itself. So this is like the big daddy as far as Belgian beers go. Um, this is the one that's that's dark and, and, and boozy and uh, um, has those really dark fruit flavors, um, especially kind of raisin, prunes, dates, stuff like that. So the beer in front of us that we have, um, it's actually a kind of a, a, a light amber. No, not light amber, like a, like, a, like a brown. I would just say like kind of a, I don't know, what do you call it, a dark brown? It's not super dark, though. It's pretty light, I think, probably for the style. looks more like a Dubel than sort of a Belgian dark strong. But yeah. Clarity um, is spectacular. Yeah, and I have to say when we pour this into the glass, um, it had a, a big head on it. I mean, obviously, it's very well carbonated. Which again, you want for these styles. It's it's sort of maybe a contradiction in your mind. Big beers, you kind of want, you know, maybe you want a little bit warmer, low alcohol when you think of like barley wine. But 
for any kind of Belgian beer, you want that high carbonation because any kind of Belgian beer, you want it to finish dry. That's sort of what you're looking for for the style. Any kind of judge, when they judge these beers, they're going to be looking at um, uh, how, how, the, how the Belgian beer finishes. And Belgian beer should finish dry. That's just sort of the hallmark of the style. Something to keep in mind when you're brewing these types of beers. So this type of style, um, again, let's smell it. So I get a lot of uh, dark fruit on it, dates, uh, raisins, especially um, maybe like rum soaked raisins, There's a little bit of that in there. It's, it's interesting because <clears throat> with the amount of carbonation that this beer has, I was expecting way bigger bouquet of aromas. And it seems like I get some of the dark fruit characters, I get the malt characters, I get some of that raisin, but it's all really just subtle. It's not this like real big, pop of aroma yeah and i mean um you know spoiler alert we're just coming off having an english barley wine which is like really over the top maltiness you won't get that with this type of beer this type of beer again you're getting a lot of more of the, the phenolics um sort of the fruit character from from that the yeast and and even the malt and it's sort of a different type of intense aroma than so something like an english barley wine yeah. um and it, it's a different in, in sort of that aspect um, I do get kind of a strange aroma in it, almost like a cola flavor, which I always kind of perceive with sort of um, aged beers that have a little bit of oxidation on it. So I, I wonder if this beer has been uh, aged for a little bit. Um, not necessarily an off flavor, but just sort of something interesting. Um, and so the taste itself, it's, it's pretty sweet. Again, more dark fruits. Uh, the phenolics are really on the low side, um, surprisingly. Very. Yeah, I don't get really that many kind of the, sort of the traditional clove flavor on it. Um, it's much more um, smooth, kind of maltiness, again, with those dark fruits. Um, bitterness. I, 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 interestingly enough, get like a baking spice, like cinnamon. I think mm. okay. for some reason, I feel like somebody dropped a cinnamon stick in this thing. I mean, that's probably, it's probably from the yeast. The yeast will kind of produce yeah. those baking spice elements. Um, I, should, I, I God, like this is one of my so, favorite so beer I'm getting, styles. I'm getting the same thing, so it's and it's, I was torn whether or not I was tasting something that, or smelling something that was a little off. But I think you hit it with cinnamon. Yeah, cinnamon. It seems like it's oh yeah, cinnamon for sure. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah, a little bit of cinnamon and like yeah, but the, like the dark fruit flavor too. I'm getting like, like cinnamon kind of like. Uh, like cinnamon raisin maraschino thing. cherry like you know the really fancy maraschino or, yeah, cherries the, the, like dark uh, yeah. syrup one yeah that's yeah. the luxardo ones right? <laughs> yeah, luxardo. Yeah, 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 luxardo. Yeah, yeah 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 interesting yeah yeah a little bit a little bit yeah cinnamon raisin bread yeah luxardo cherries i can definitely cinnamon see that raisin bread oh totally yeah, yeah, yeah definitely for sure like the perfect description <laughs> yeah. of it like i think about that swirl that's in there like i think that's what yeah. i'm getting for sure yeah, yeah. really because it's the sweetness mixed with the cinnamon that mm -hmm. makes it get that vibe so yeah, you have that sweetness. Um, bitterness is low, but it finishes quite dry. There's um, a dryness coming from the alcohol or um, uh, maybe a, a bit of a dark malt in there that's sort of kind of drying it out in the finish. Um, it's, it's pretty well kind of where you want it in a Belgian dark strong. You kind of want that dryness and it works pretty well. Um, the mouthfeel itself is, 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 is pretty good. Um, it has some texture to it, but it's also not overly malty, which you don't want in the style. Again, it's a Belgian beer. You want it to be drinkable. Even big beers like this, you want them to be drinkable. That's sort of the goal. You get a little bit of that alcohol itself. I would say the only thing that's sort of missing from it, again, it has some of that Belgian yeast character, but for me, I'd probably want a little bit more. I think I want a little bit more of that spiciness from the clove, some black pepper that you get from the yeast. 
And so I, I wonder what yeast strain um, this this brewer used for this particular beer. Uh, each one from each you know famous Trappist brewery has a different profile. I know that I think Chimay's is much more spicier phenolic than something like um, uh, Rochefort or or one of the others. Yeah. Uh, see, I yeah because I don't know that if I send the bottle down. I want I want more. Oh, I said I don't know if you. <laughs> If you didn't tell me this was a Belgian dark strong, I don't know that I would have said this is a Belgian. I don't know if I would drink this beer and say Belgian dark strong because it nope. doesn't have that quintessential Belgian character that you'd expect. I, I would have thought it'd be like an old ale or something like, like, like a that. Like a spiced ale or, yeah, or yeah, something, something like, yeah. like that that has some similar characteristics but just doesn't have that obvious Belgian character. Yeah. I think it's sort of missing out that spikiness. I know, I know it sounds... <laughs> Sounds like why would you want that? But it's it's sort of a hallmark of the style. I really go, I mean that the clove baking spices go really well with the dark fruits that are sort of a hallmark of the style. And I think this particular beer is sort of missing that component. And I wonder. If, I mean, again, I go back to sort of um, uh, the slight oxidation note. I wonder, you know, if, if it's been aged. I mean, aging will kind of kind of smooth out those characters. And I, I wonder if that that's the case in this situation. Phil seems to be digging it. Yeah, I, I dig it. Um, I mean, I, I agree with you though that it's missing that quintessential Belgian, you know, quad type note. But um, I'm digging the beer. It's a it's a great beer. Yes, yeah, so this is a winter warmer, is what it is. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah, totally sure. a winter warmer. Well, I mean, I you know, as, as you know, a lot of those Belgian breweries they produce like a, a Christmas Belgian style. I know Saint Bernardus. That's one I drink every year for Christmas because I, I just love it. Uh, I when I think of like Christmas beers, I, I always go back to like. Belgian beers, Belgian dark beers. It's just Literally, sort of, yeah, it's just one of those things. That's what know? my fridge is filled with right now. Yeah, yeah, get ready for the holidays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mad Elf. Yep, that, that Mad that, Elf, That's right? in there, too. I yeah. love Mad Elf. Mad Elf. Yeah. It's so, so good. I mean, it's technically, uh, it's technically a Belgian beer with yeah. quotations. I know. Right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. And then uh, there's another one, and I forget what it was, but, yeah. So score, Nick. Yeah, so I, I think this is a well-brewed beer. I think it's missing um, some components that... Um, kind of elevate it to a really excellent beer. For me, I think th this is probably a 37, which is a right on the the far end of very good, very close to excellent. Uh, it's missing some components. I also one thing going back to the color. I wish it was a little bit darker. Um, again, you get the dark fruits, but it to me it looks and tastes more like a, a, a double than a Belgian dark strong. Belgian dark strongs are usually a little bit darker and have a little bit more uh, deeper. Um, rich um, uh, fruit notes that I, I think this one's kind of kind of missing. So um, just little little things that could that you can kind of tune. Uh, but overall, uh, a well brewed beer. Yeah, yeah. So um, kind of going off topic, but on topic at the same time. So trying to get that dryness from a Belgian beer while also um, getting that color. Um, a lot of that comes from using. Um, like the sugars, right? The sugars, uh, beet sugar syrup, or the yeah, the amber sugar <coughs> crystals, the Belgian sugar. There's yeah. a, there's a couple ways to do it. You can do it through malt, for sure. Okay. That's how they used to do it in old school. Nowadays, you know, we have so many tools, you know, yeah. for us for us home brewers. Uh, I would recommend using the syrups. There's um, was it? I forgot what company is it. Candy syrup. Oh, candy. yeah, like yeah. The, uh, they're the ones that produce like, like the really good ones. 60, 90, 180 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So this one I would want maybe a little bit more 180 yeah. uh, to kind of get that darker color, um, that deeper, rich flavor um, from the sugar. 
I think there's probably enough because it. I think it finishes pretty dry. It does finish really right? dry. Yeah, which so is I don't. Really nice. I don't think. I don't. Not sure. Sugar is is real the issue, but maybe switch out some of the other, you know, candy syrup that he used for darker, or maybe put in some more, um, you know, some uh, special B Belgian special B malt or something with really um, rich dark uh, crystal malt, something like that, which sure. kind of add some character to it. And and for those thinking about it, when you're the, the reason why you're using those uh, the candied sugar, whether it's a syrup, is because it's a simple sugar, and that's what the yeast is going to eat first, and that's what is going to give you that alcohol, but totally dry out the beer at the same time. Exactly. Not, not a lot of residual proteins that are going to keep that body. It's going to let dry out. And yeah. you, you need to have that in this type of style. Absolutely. Because if you don't have it, it's not going to dry out, and it's not going to be a Belgian beer. So Because yeah, you're looking for a gravity that's going to finish... 1004, 1002, something yeah. like that. A little higher probably for this one, but yeah, most yeah, Belgian, you know what I mean. most yeah, Belgian beers yeah. are going to be, yeah, they're going to be pretty low. Yep. Yeah, I just brewed one of these a couple weeks ago, um, our Belgian Dark Strong Ale, and I think I used five pounds of the syrup, but I used a blend of the different um, strengths or the darknesses because you don't want to just go all like all in on the 180. You'll end up with just a black beer. Yeah, I did the same thing with my award-winning Belgian Dark Strong. That's one. Oh, that's one a humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those medals he was talking about earlier, Rick. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe next year mine will be uh, the award-winning. No, it won't. Um, alrighty. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Nick. Thank you. You've heard us talk about them on our podcast, our local homebrew stores offering the listeners of Strike Mash Boil an awesome deal on their first order online or in person. Beer Wine Hobby at 87 Andover Street in Danvers, Massachusetts is our go-to homebrew store. They have everything you need to brew a batch of beer, wine, or cider. They have more than 100 fresh grains, all the classic and new world hop varieties in a variety of sizes, and yeast from White Labs, Y Yeast, Imperial, and Omega. So for listeners of Strike Mash Boil, use promo code MVPOD to get 10% off your first order. Go to beer-wine.com to get started. That's MVPOD. We got to have 450 on to defend themselves someday. Seriously. Like the way, anyway. Um, I, I certainly, in this point in my drinking stage of my life, appreciate having variety of beer i've i've I, you know being a home brewer have uh indulged in all these different styles and have pulled these preferences of beers over time that when i like to go i like variety i tend to lean a little bit more uh, get uh, away from ipas because i have ipa fatigue but i get that that's just literally what the world is cons- what what the united states is consuming at this point i mean i i've been drinking better beer for Let's call it a little over 10 years now. And even then, IPA was dominant. Uh, I was living in Florida, and I remember the, the day I can actually, I mean, I, I, if I really put my mind to it, I could probably come up with a date that it happened. But I know the day that my beer drinking life changed. Up until that point, I was a hophead. Stupid hoppy IPA was the shit. And the hoppier you could make that beer, the more bitter it was, the better. It was just, it was a race to the top. Who could produce the, this was was the days when uh, McKellar was producing their 1000 IBU IPAs, which if 
I understand IBU correctly, is theoretically possible, but I don't think the your, their taste buds can register it that bitter. Um, but Correct. it was apparently, you know, there was a thousand IBUs. One day I, I, I go to a bottle shop and I get a growler fill of some Cigar City black IPA monstrosity. 160 IBU. Drinking it. And this is the most bitter concoction I've ever tasted in my life. It was basically half a step away from Ipecac syrup. It was that bitter. And I realized then and there, wait a second, what the heck am I doing? Beer is supposed to be drinkable. Beer isn't supposed to be just hops, 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 hops. I can't taste anything else. Hell, I couldn't taste anything for the rest of the whole friggin' day. And it was at that point that I said, I'm done with IPA, and I mean, granted, part of my rant comes in comes from the fact that I don't particularly care for IPA, but I acknowledge that it is a very popular style, and when it's done well, it is delicious. It's just not my thing. And I can't be the only person who doesn't like IPA. And I think because of that, what I, again, purely a guess, but a, a not insignificant part of the population is getting short shrift from breweries because it's just, you, you go to a restaurant and seven-eighths of the taps are IPA. Come on. It's been like that for a long time. Yeah, I mean, that 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 is yeah. speaking, yeah, it's been like that for a really oh, it long has. time. It's it was been like for that a very long Before time. Nipa's, yeah. it was West Coast-style IPAs. And, right, and, totally. And, and, and yeah. yeah, it's been a big complaint from a lot of consumers and I think they're trying to do their best. Um, you know, a lot of places try to get, you know, a dark beer, a hoppy beer, a light beer, et cetera. But you're right. You know, the majority are IPAs now. I think we should do uh, we should do an IPA advent calendar and box and just drop it off at Aaron's house because he loves IPAs so much. Which is just 24 IPAs. So yeah. Uh, that's, so that's, I think I think the moral moral of the story, Aaron does not like IPAs. <laughs> I think we've got that. You know what? I've already had my uh, my tombstone carved, and that is my epitaph. Aaron Levy, he did not like IPA. Cheers. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Yeah. All right, TJ, what ground your gears in 2021? I'm going to take a different twist on this and just give you a personal um, grind of gears due to the fact that I was and still am the competition coordinator for the club. In 2020, we had to make the hard decision to cancel the competition. And uh, my rant is about the stress of planning the competition in 2021, because when Marco, the first time we had a meeting during the beginning of the pandemic said, this pandemic was going to last two years. I thought he was absolutely crazy and it has lingered on. And there was a lot of stress in the planning of, of it. Not really. It was more in the planning of the disaster that would happen if nobody showed up. And, uh, you know, it was, it, it was a lot of nights, not sleeping, 
wondering if we're doing the right thing, if we were going to have the event and then have the next super spreader on the news. Uh, you know, homebrew competition, <laughs> judges all, you know, are in ICU, et cetera. Um, and then the stress of, you know, you know, what else do we need? We need hand sanitizer every station. Uh, that was something we forgot that we had to go get it last minute. But we, 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 we got it on the punch list and we, and we got it. And it, it, it you know, th- th- then there was the, the hall called us <laughs> and confirmed the wrong date. And then we had to um, we, we had to fight with them to, to, to get the date corrected, which was already booked for that date. And we, luckily, we were able to convince them to change their <laughs> switch dates. And uh, it, it all worked out. Uh, but it was just way more stressful this year than it ever was thought to ever have to be. It's already it's already a stressful event, right? Um, because you're you're relying on a lot of people. You're relying on people to 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 pull through. Um, and I, unfortunately, I thought my 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 I thought I thought my rave was going to be right after my rant. So I, it it seems like I'm being kind of negative on this, but we uh. We'll get to my rave in a little bit. Uh, you know, TJ, it's amazing. There's a couple of facets to that, right? Number one, it's amazing when uh, you're public facing, like we have been, and you're putting on this event that has a lot of public implications. So uh, when you think about the stresses that we have just as is on a normal time, you you exaggerate it when you're in a global pandemic, which is totally yeah you know totally exacerbates everything because now if you make the wrong decision we invite public perception and criticism uh, you know the other thing too is we've worked really hard over the last couple of years to put our club out there more publicly we launched a fucking podcast like we we've in a way did this to ourselves like if we were this like little private club you know, who cares, right? But the idea yeah. that we've grown our public persona, our public perception, and then have this global pandemic that if we screw up, cancel culture comes right for us, right? Like we literally put ourselves in, you know, in, in the uh, line sight of being able, of being attacked. And we've seen that already, right? Like we've got the Haze Boys that come after me, the Smoothie Boys. Not so much the Haze Boys. It's really the Smoothie Boys that are not big fans of Marco. Yeah. Well, um, you know, we got some lovers out there. Bob does beer things. He loves you. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and Bob does beer things. And, and, and let's be honest. It's not like we picked the, the guy in the club that um, has the least amount of uh, anxiety to run the competition. It's like we picked the opposite of that. Let, 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 well, hold, hold on a second. Hold on. I'm going to uh, counter that with saying that the competition's your baby. I know it's my baby. I, I've been, I've been hearing really that for years. It. I, I, it, it is my baby, but let's just, let's, let's all be honest that we all know TJ is very, 
very anal retentive and when anything has the possibility of going south i don't care about public perception i care about my own perception of myself and and that's that's the high standard that i hold myself to um well aaron aaron just said it uh I think it's that anal retentiveness that you're talking about and that concern over personal perception that every time we put on a comp, the feedback we get from the judges and the people that participate is how amazing it is. Now, we've had a few snafus this year <laughs> that, <coughs> that we don't think we've, I don't think we've publicly addressed yet, <laughs> but uh, we've, got, we've got some shipping things that have broken down yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but aside from that, the competition has been great, and it's always great, and I think that's because you're the right guy to be doing it. Thanks, Marco. So I know I have, uh, I have my own rant coming up, and I got a topic to talk about, but can I throw a little mini rant underneath yours, yeah. TJ? Uh, I don't know. Have you paid the fee? Yeah. We uh, and maybe this turns into a, a follow-on discussion at a later date. But you know, one thing I noticed was we had uh, we had a professional brewer, owner of a brewery, submit beer into our homebrew competition. Not only did he submit, um, he won uh, some medals, uh, and you know that just kind of rubs me a little wrong. You know that. Pro brewers coming into a homebrew comp. Phil and I, I, I have know. talked a little bit about this on the side. See, this is the. I think I think I heard a little, little bit of over yeah. over talk about this, but this is really the first. I I, I didn't realize he won. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but TJ, that TJ, put that on me. Technically, because... no, no, technically, if you read the rules of a BJCP sanctioned event. Yes. It does allow yes. for a professional brewer to enter a competition. Absolutely. Provided they are brewing on a homebrew system at home. Now was uh, so so this is a whole this is like uh, Phil and I sort of went through this a little bit already. This is where you draw the line, how do you define yeah. a pro brewer versus not a pro yeah, brewer, that's my access question. to information. Like there's a yeah. whole there's a whole slew of things because yeah. we've got some guys, and I don't want to get too far into this, but we've got some guys in our club that technically work at breweries, that technically brew on professional brew systems, albeit not every single day, occasionally. But is that the line? Do you draw the line there? So anyway, uh, not to get too far into that rabbit hole. Yeah. In the words of the great Alton Brown, that's another show. Yes. All uh, right. Let's do it. All right. So, all right. Final rant for this round is me. Um, this is not something specific to 2021, though I feel like I uh, noticed more and more in 2021. And I, I don't even know if I need to go into much more detail than untapped. Right. So untapped. Oh, you're going to shit on untapped. I am going to shit on untapped. I literally just started using untapped for the first time in, in years. It's been four years since I used it. I'm starting to use it again. Phil, Phil's catching me off guard. Phil's catching me off All right, me so guard. let me Let's take go, a step Phil. back. All right, so I started with my, I got my list going right here. My list was non-shelf stable beers. Well, Marco, you kind of stole that one. Then I had beer lists at bars. Well, Aaron kind of stole that one. And then I have old beer on shelves, mostly IPAs. So Aaron kind of stole that one as well. And then I have untapped dot, dot, dot fucking untapped. So here's my deal with untapped. And it's, it's kind of, it's a, uh, pseudo social site. That's not very social. Um, the, uh, scoring system is all fucked up, right? 
it there's no you know you have some of the greatest beers in the world that have threes and three and a halfs that's their their ranking we've talked about this in the past where we've done our brew requisite shows um and then you have other beers that are just you know ranked the greatest thing since sliced bread because it happens to come from treehouse and holy shit it's a one-off from treehouse so therefore it must be a four and a half or a five and but you don't even know what the hell like what's so special about the beer but then you got the people that are voting or putting a two or a one and the only comment they have there is i don't like lagers well then why are you judging fucking pilsner or quell just don't rate it all right, right? Phil, your I, I hops think I, are I, wrong i yes. i know i know what phil's problem is here <clears throat> i've dissected it already Okay. Phil's problem is he expect he thinks untapped. Everybody thinks like me. No, 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 no. He thinks oh, untapped advocate? is something that it not that it isn't. Untapped okay. should not be. Anybody who is using untapped as a resource to find good beer oh, is no. going to the Absolutely. wrong place. Yeah, because yeah. what so what untapped is supposed to be, it's supposed to be you sharing socially beers that you're drinking and your opinion of them, right? Now, granted, Untapped is your tried opinion to is wrong. Yeah, Untapped is morphed into uh, this thing where they're trying to use data from Untapped to say, "Here's I've got I'm you know top five trending beer in the world right now." Bullshit! Uh, get the fuck out of here with that garbage. Um, the the point of Untapped and and you ranking it is for when you're drinking beers again, you're able to see how you've ranked a style of beer or a particular brand of beer. That's, that's the what only way I for. use it. That, that is how you're supposed to use untapped. It's basically a, well, as much as I hate the tickers, it's a ticker for your, it's for your own ticking. I've had this, 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 and this. This is what I thought of it. And you go back years later. I'm lucky that I have this really bizarre eidetic memory when it comes to food and drink, that I can think back to that day in 2009 when I opened up that growler of Black IPA and exactly what it tasted like and what it looked like, not everyone can do that. Were there Black IPAs I, in 2009? I cannot do that. If you were actually drinking the fucking beer rather than on your phone typing in what you're fucking thinking, then you maybe would remember it. No, you're also you're I'm also sorry. overthinking it. You're, 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 you're also no, TJ. You're also overthinking it. Like I. So what I think Untapped does a really great job of is I get to track all my beers. It's cool. No, no, yeah. Not cool, but I think it's interesting to one see how much of a drinking problem I actually have when I look at how many beers <laughs> I check in on Untapped. But it's great to see some of the statistics that show how I'm rating beers, how many beers of certain styles that I'm drinking versus other beers. Like, I think that's interesting for me personally. I cannot take nobody. And, and listen, beer world listening, to, I, the millions and millions of people listening to this podcast, if you <laughs> are taking uh, untapped as your resource for how. Aaron, fucking Aaron. Aaron sending me messages and it's screwing me up. Uh, the, the, anybody who's taking Untapped as a resource for the uh, mecca of what beer should be, you're an idiot and you should stop using Untapped immediately. That's what. Never mind. I'm not going to say it. But I think that's where Untapped and hype beers get together yeah. and drive hype even further. Yeah. 
and the the. But I don't have you a know, problem like, with that. Actually, I actually don't have a problem with that. You know, so I, I watched a video. The reason I have untapped on this list is I saw a video uh, um, last week on the Craft Beer Channel, which is a really great YouTube channel. Um, highly recommend them. They don't sponsor us. We don't sponsor them. But uh, they're over in the UK, and they actually did a whole segment on Untapped, um, and it's a really great watch. But one thing they talked about is just like people who are buying into hype beers, and you know, their example was King Julius and they got a can of King, King Julius that they themselves brought back to the UK. They opened it up and it was oxidized. And then they went on untapped and looked and all these pictures were of oxidized King Julius and people were still rating at 4.75 or five because people don't fucking know. They don't but know. Phil, anything. How is that different than before untapped? Uh, I think Hetty Topper is a wonderful example before untapped. It was, within the world of like beer advocate, which was very kind of focused and niche untapped fucking everybody has untapped. Yeah. I would say it's, it's literally what it's intended use is and how people, how seriously people take it. I mean, listen, if we didn't have untapped, we wouldn't have the greatest untapped account ever, which is untapped WTF. That's true. And, Mm. and the stupid shit that people do on untapped, which gives me, you know, miles and miles yeah. of entertainment. Like when somebody gets a sample of untapped shipped to them in like a milk jug and then they drink it and they rate it like a two, like this beer is trash, even though it traveled across the country in poor packaging and is oxidized to hell and garbage. And of course that barrel aged assassin that you had shipped to you in a milk carton is trash. Uh, like that stuff that I see on there is amazing. And I think it's incredible. <laughs> Again, if you are a person that looks at that, post and says that is my basis for judging this beer you're an idiot and you shouldn't be using the, the app i well it's still my rant no it's i think it's that. a great rant uh, but again i think that your problem was is you're putting untapped on a higher pedestal than it should be and true. i do believe that there are tons of people out there that do that and they're wrong hey phil uh yeah. much like your hops your rant is wrong man no. It's just wrong. <laughs> right. All right. And with that, uh, our rant segment has come to a close. So stay tuned next week as we have some raves to counter these rants here on Strike Mesh Boil. The Strike Mash Boil podcast is produced by the Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club, an American Homebrewers Association sanctioned club. Follow us on Instagram at MVHBC. Join the conversation in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash MVHBC. And check out our website at MVHBC.com. Mm-hmm.